الجزيرة بودكاست The 2022 World Cup in Qatar is underway. And when Senegal kicks off its campaign against the Netherlands tonight, its players and fans will be hoping to build on their biggest ever achievement from earlier this year. Mane! Mane! Senegal! Our African champions! Winning the African Cup of Nations for the first time was a massive moment for the country. But it was extra special because the team's coach, Aliou Sissé, is Senegalese as well. That's not something that's always been the case. For years, many African teams have relied heavily on Western coaches, appointments that have often come at the expense of local coaches across the continent. Frenchman Havernad was named as head coach of the Morocco national football side. Egypt have hired seasoned Portuguese coach Carlos Queiroz as the new head coach of the country's men's football team. But change may be afoot. As Aliou Cissé leads his own country at the tournament, he's not the only one. All five African teams in Qatar, Morocco, Ghana, Tunisia, Cameroon and Senegal, have African coaches at the helm. That's something that's never happened before in the history of the World Cup. So is Qatar 2022 a turning point for African coaches? I'm Hala Mahiuddin, and this is The Take. The Nigerian writer Chimamanda Adichie once said that the World Cup is a perfect vehicle for fostering pan-Africanism. That's Sean Jacobs, an assistant professor of international relations at the New School in New York, who's originally from South Africa. She said, if Nigeria loses or is not participating in the World Cup, I support Ghana. If Ghana gets knocked out, I moved on to the teams that are remaining. So it's a kind of nationalism that expands as your country's losing. And in the process, it fosters the pan-Africanism that comes with the World Cup. And that sense of pan-Africanism is why many across the continent are celebrating the representation of African coaches at this World Cup. It's also why I'm talking to Sean, as the founder of the website Africa is a Country and a massive football fan, I could think of few better people to get into this topic with. Sean, this World Cup marks the first time that all participating African teams will be coached by African coaches, all five of them in fact, by coaches from that country. How significant would you say this is? I mean, it's quite significant. In many of the cases, some of these teams, they've had an African coach or a national coach from the country leading the team to the World Cup before. However, to have all the coaches, I mean, all five coaches come from the countries they're coaching, that's an incredible achievement. Secondly, it also just reflects well because we're also living in a time in which people are questioning this reliance on European expertise or the idea of European expertise as the gold standard, when in fact you have former African players and African coaches that have the qualifications and the experience. And so more and more people are asking, you know, why can't they lead the national team? Well, this has been an ongoing debate in African football circles for a while, hasn't it? You know, should we be so reliant on foreign or Western coaches or should we use local coaches instead? Do you think the national football federations in Africa have fallen into some kind of trap of 
thinking they need to be so reliant on foreign coaching? There are a lot of reasons why African national football federations appoint foreign coaches. I think one is a sort of holdover from colonialism in which you are made to believe that the best expertise is coming from Europe. And secondly, because of Europe's domination in football, the quality of football, the investment, the symbolism associated with European football clubs, that's where you want to play. So that also means that like any other fan in the world, whether in South America, Asia or North America, you believe that the best players the best coaches come from Europe. And I think definitely there's some racism involved here. If you are perpetually being told that those are the best coaches, you're gonna start believing it. If you're not seeing people that look like you, then you're also just gonna follow that. But all the evidence suggests that when African countries have had success, for example, in the African Cup of Nations, when Egypt have won the African Cup of Nations seven times, and they've done so mostly with local coaches. That's it, Egypt are the Africa Cup of Nations champions. The same goes for Ghana. They've won the African Cup of Nations with local coaches. So I think with social media, with the increasing role of the diaspora of a particular country, in the case of Morocco, Tunisia and Ghana, you'll see that the diaspora plays a larger role in debates about the country's future. And Ghana, for example, appointed a coach who's born in Germany, but identifies with the very large Ghanaian diaspora in Germany. The Ghana Football Association has officially announced Coach Otoado as the new head coach of the Black Stars. So did Morocco. They took a coach who's of Moroccan descent, but born in France. World Cup bound Morocco have appointed Walid Regragi as the new national team coach. And former players, people with wide experience in global football, particularly in European football, are beginning to say, hey, look, we have this wider community, we have the expertise, and we can rely on it. So it's time for change, I would say. Also, the success of someone like Aleu Sisse, who's the coach of Senegal, if you take him, he took the team to the final of the African Cup of Nations, then he won the Cup of Nations, and at the same time, he also qualified them twice for the World Cup. And so the success of somebody like Sisse shows that you can appoint African coaches for the World Cup. One of the coaches Sean mentioned there was Ghana's. His name is Otto Addo. Some in Ghana have criticised Addo for taking on the head coaching role on a part-time basis while remaining based in Germany, where he was born. We are going there with a part-time coach? Are you kidding me? In this day and age? Hell no! But Maso Didi Dramani, one of Ghana's assistant coaches at the World Cup and a former player himself, says the connection that Addo has to Ghana is strong. Otto is a Ghanaian and uh, Otto has played for Ghana He's very passionate about uh, his contribution towards uh, Ghanaian culture and Ghanaian football. And it's not just Addo who is local, but most of the coaching staff. I'm a Ghanaian. I'm currently based in Ghana. I've coached Kotoko, the biggest club in Ghana. I've won everything that is important. So I understand the culture of the Ghanaian player. I'm part of them. That's a characteristic Didi says is invaluable and not something all foreign coaches are able to bring to the table. It will be difficult for him to understand the cultural integration. I don't have a problem when you have an expatriate working. I've been with expatriates all of my life, and I appreciate the knowledge everybody brings along. But in the football industry these days, you need a unique identity. And this unique identity is a cultural base, because you can never say that because our players are playing in Europe, 
their behavior will not have a resemblance of a Ghanaian, Moroccan, a Senegalese a culture. It's not possible. They should still have it. So even if you are European, if you are really very culturally based, you think about what will you do to be able to understand these people properly so that you can get the best out of them. Getting down and then finding out, you know, where they are coming from, what do they appreciate, how do they go about things. If you want to just be European, it will not work. You need to put yourself in the African context. The advantage of having a local coach can sometimes be as simple as being able to connect on a cultural or linguistic level. I come from the northern part of Ghana, so I speak so many Ghanaian languages. I speak Tree, I speak Gan, I speak Frafra, I speak Dagbani, I speak Gonja, I speak Fanti, I speak Santi, you know. And based on that, I flow with them, like Baba Idrisu, for instance. Here is Idrisu Baba for the Black Stars. I speak with him in my own dialect. Oh. I speak with him in, in Dabani. Unfortunately, on my part, many of them are players that I have groomed in the youth teams because I coach the youth team also. This local know-how is something Sean says can be vitally important. I mean, it does matter for players often that the coach is local or is part of the diaspora, say in the case of Morocco, which had a Serbian coach that seemed to have difficulty communicating very well with the national team players. Those communication issues led to the coach dropping star player Hakim Ziyech from the team, which in turn led Ziyech to say he'd never play for Morocco again. I will not return to the national team. That's my final decision. But when the new coach, Walid Regragui, arrived, things changed. So when Walid came in as coach of Morocco, he brought Ziyech back in the national team in warm-up games. So it definitely brings back positive vibes within the national team. I think the best case always is that of Aliou Sisse. I mean, it's very obvious that Sisse understands Senegalese football. He played in the team in 2002 that shocked the world, where they beat France in the opening match of the World Cup. Football français, voilà, c'est fait. Oui. Victoire du Sénégal à Séoul, 1-0. They then go into the quarterfinals. And now he comes back and he becomes the national coach. And then with Senegal in particular, there was this idea that they could never win the African Cup of Nations. And then Cisse coaches them to that. So it does matter. The players respect him. They trust him. It's not some obscure person that they don't know. Just looking back to some of the white European coaches that spend a lot of time coaching African teams. I mean, who were some of these guys? I mean, what kind of pedigree were you talking about? Were these just white guys getting jobs for being white? I mean, at some level, it's true that these are just white guys getting jobs for being white. But at another level, it has something to do with the structures of African football, with the history of African football. So you have a set of coaches who act almost like mercenaries. And if there's a job available, they take it. And, you know, they're often very good at what they do. However, it also turns out that there are just coaches. If you watch African football, you're like, where do these people come from? They coach in the lower leagues of one of the smaller European leagues. And you're sort of wondering, you know, how did they get this job? And sometimes, I mean, it has to do with the National Football Association being very weak. It's controlled by a small group of people. There's high levels of corruptions. There's a lot of political influence that results in a sort of lopsided way that the National Association is organized and who they pick as a coach. And as Sean points out, despite their supposed expertise, many foreign coaches have ultimately failed to take African teams to glory. In many cases, it was the local coach that qualified you for the World Cup. 
then that coach gets fired and a foreigner gets appointed at the last minute. And then, you know, it all falls apart during the tournament. And so I think lessons have been learned that maybe it's time to appoint these local coaches. I think we've reached a point where people look at this and just go, it's not just a great idea anymore just to go find a mercenary and put them in that position. Though it's clear that Qatar 2022 is a landmark moment for African coaches, plenty of impediments still remain to them consistently getting high-level jobs in global football. More on that after the break. I'm Charles Dance, your narrator for Hindsight, Al Jazeera's original docudrama series. In season five, we meet Diego Maradona. He is often described as having been touched by the divine. But looking back, the man was no saint. Hindsight from Al Jazeera, wherever you get your podcasts. Though African coaches are taking centre stage at Qatar 2022, Sean says it's unlikely this means they'll start getting hired to take top head coaching jobs in Europe. There's never actually been an African coach who was born, grew up, played in African leagues, coached in African leagues, who goes on to become a head coach at a top European club. And racism plays a part in this, hiring people that look like you, It's very clear, even, for example, in England, where you have many black English players who are capable coaches, that they're finding it hard to even get a job in any of the leagues within the English professional setup. So even within Europe, they're not even hiring people that are essentially European. Mm. Like you're black and European and you're having a hard time of getting hired. How hard do you think it is to see an African coach from Africa getting a chance to get hired by a European club? Still, some African coaches are trying to make their mark in Europe but they usually have to have the pedigree of having been a player who made a name for themselves on a global stage. That's something Radhi Jedi certainly did, having represented Tunisia over a hundred times, even scoring a goal in the 2006 World Cup. Radhi Jedi from Bolton Wanderers in England steals into the six-yard area and Tunisia... It's always a great feeling, you know. I'm still buzzing about it till now. Scoring goals in the World Cup... It's a dream come true for me. Ruddy also played in the English Premier League, watched by 3.2 billion people worldwide. For teams such as Bolton Wanderers, Birmingham City and Southampton, where he eventually became the coach of the under-23 youth team after his playing career. But Ruddy says the kind of training he got as a coach in England, leading to certifications known as coaching badges, just simply isn't available for young coaches in Africa. When I started to think about being a coach, I thought, okay, I finished my career as a football player. I'm going to go back to Tunisia. But we don't have the right platform, a clear platform in Tunisia to do my highest qualifications. The first question you ask yourself is how you're going to develop as a coach. And then you don't have answers. Uh, in Tunisia, of course, information is not there. Even when I was player, ask questions, but there is no answers. Answers are really ambiguous. There is no clear communication about how we develop. I had a lot of young coaches from Tunisia asking how I can get this qualification and this diploma and this development. They are trying to get the information, but there is no real and clear platform to support these coaches. Since coaching at Southampton, 
Roddy has been a head coach for clubs in the United States and in Tunisia. He's also been an assistant coach for the Belgian club Cercle Brugge, where he's currently working for a second time. Roddy knows he wouldn't have got these opportunities if he hadn't played in England. So my path was different. I moved to England since 2004. I played Premier League. I was lucky that in England you will be part of the PFA, the Players Federation and Association. So they, they will provide you the advice and the support on what it is next, especially after the career. And they propose you ideas. In Tunisia, we don't have this. So when I decided to retire, everything was planned for me to prepare my coaching budgets. At the same time, I started to practice as a coach in Southampton Academy. I was lucky because, you know, Southampton is one of the best academy in Europe, which include the best staff and expertise around. I had my own mentor and I had my own expert around me, not just coaches, but from all other multidisciplinary departments. And this has helped me to build a great base. I'm still progressing, but I had the platform to progress with my dream. We don't have this in Africa. Didi Dramani, the assistant coach for Ghana we spoke to earlier, is also one of the few African coaches with experience in Europe, having worked as an assistant for FC Nordjylland in the Danish Superliga. And Didi hopes that seeing coaches like him in Europe makes a difference for young coaches in Africa. My dream has always been to coach in Europe. And so when the opportunity came, I rather thought about what would I do to be able to influence the African in the European soil. I inspire and then I impact a lot to the Ghanaian coach and the Ghanaian young player. I mentor a lot of coaches in Ghana. In a day, I speak to more than 100 coaches. I was in FC Nordland from uh, late 2017 and I left just last year and went back. I said I should go back to go and impact. Didi also believes more African coaches and players in Europe will impact the way African football is viewed internationally. The presence of me over the years and the influence of the African player into the Danish league really influenced the development of African football. And I believe that that is what is happening in Senegal, that is what is happening in Tunisia, that is what is happening in uh, Cameroon and Morocco. It changes the way people are thinking about Africa. Now we have coaches in Europe and we have our players, young talent, doing very well and coming to impact clubs in Europe. But despite their experiences, neither Didi nor Radi have been given a head coaching role of a senior team in Europe. It's something Radi says is still a big barrier to break through, even though he has a UA for Pro license, the highest certification available in Europe. For someone who's dreaming to be a Premier League coach, one of the challenges, you know, I'm facing now, after finishing my qualification, is seeing a lot of competition and a lot of coaches, especially local coaches who go above you. Even sometimes with less experience and less development or qualification and get that senior job. I've been dreaming all my time to get a senior job, a head coach, but never happens. So if you are an African coach and a former player who has been lucky like myself, being in Europe, you need to be at your best. You need to be the best in everything you touch to get that job. And even with that, they will find a way, you know, to put you in a second line. 
So you need to be at your best, baby, to get that job in Europe. You have to be perfect. You have to be unbelievable to take that job. I can't imagine an African coach coming from Africa without all the qualification. All this development and then easily going to Europe and getting a job. I wish I would see it, but I can't imagine that. He can't imagine it because he's been told as much. A very big football director in a big club in Europe told me, Ruddy, we will never take an Africa coach from Africa to take this job. And for me, it was an eye-opener, to be fair. Because before that, I thought, why not? Because African coaching can be successful if you give them the right support on the right platform. In the face of these impediments, Radi still has questions about the path forward for an African coach in Europe. It's like, okay, can I find a hybrid way where a former player like myself go and develop from a young age to reach the level where he can take a senior coach job? Apparently not. That's not working because I did that. I tried it. There is a little bit of frustration, but I'm positive about myself. I'm confident as well. I have a lot of energy, a lot of to give back to football as a football coach. I'm patient in that aspect. So I have all the ability to take a head coach role. So I'm waiting for that and working hard to get the right opportunity. And that's The Take. This episode was produced by Ashish Mahotra with Nagin Oliai, Chloe K. Lee, Ruby Zaman, Amy Walters, Alexandra Locke, and me, Hala Mahiyadine. Alex Roldan is our sound designer. Aya Al-Malek and Adam Abugad are The Take's engagement producers. And Ney Alvarez is Al Jazeera's head of audio. We'll be back on Wednesday. <laughs>